and welcome to a special edition roundtable looking at the career of Sting and I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me for this special edition I've got two icons of the podcasting world. Firstly, he's not only a political science professor, he's also a regular guest on the Kings of Sport podcast and he's also the sleepiest woke dude you know. It's Chris Ely from LA. Chris, thanks for joining me this week. Oh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Uh, that was a grand introduction. I appreciate it. No problems. And next up, uh, Postmarks will be familiar with him from the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, and he's also the man behind the Kings of Sport podcast. He's the all-around raconteur from the Old Dominion state of Virginia. It's Nate Milton. Nate, thanks for also jumping on this podcast. Yes, thank you for, for having me, Brother Bushby. And, and you know, not only uh, am I all of those wonderful superlatives that you just threw out there for the people, but, but we're in the midst of Nate Milton Week on post-wrestling. And, and the only thing for sure about Nate Milton Week, Martin Bushby, is nothing for sure. Indeed. We've also, uh, <laughs> we've also it's not only Nate Milton Week, there's a, a big sale on your T-shirt right now, isn't there? Yeah, well, I am so glad you mentioned that, Martin. Yes, right now, if you <laughs> head over to the Post Wrestling Store, and this is for patrons. So, uh, first of all, sign up for the Post Wrestling Patreon. Like, if you haven't, like, why not? Like, it's, it's I know a lot of y'all got your stimulus checks, too, as we are recording this. So, uh, you know, head over to Post Wrestling on the Patreon, sign up, and you get a deal on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show shirts, uh, you know, seven bucks in honor of the famous Dwayne Johnson quote, Martin, that I'm sure you've heard as, as well oh, as Chris, yeah. you know, back in 92, I only had seven bucks in my pocket and I knew two things. He knew two things, Chris. Number one, I'm broke as hell. And number two, I won't always be. And so that, that's that inspiration, <laughs> that inspiration that you can feel when you put on this Rocky Maivia picture show t-shirt, you, you can feel connected to the rock and, 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 uh, you won't be broke in your own life when you wear the shirt. At least at least that's what we're claiming, Martin. Oh, yeah. Um, so definitely buy one of those T-shirts and you'll instantaneously become a millionaire. Is that what you're saying, Nate? I'm, I'm not saying that you will, but I'm not saying that you won't either. <laughs> <laughs> like Sting said, nothing's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, it's, um, I think it was a perfect time to do sort of like one of these roundtables about Sting, obviously, making his comeback with AEW this year. And I couldn't think of two better men to talk the career of the man called Sting. Um, I just wanted to, before we got into it, um, what was your first introduction to uh, Sting, Chris? Uh, my introduction to Sting would probably be about like 1990 when he was doing the uh, the feud with um, when he was like on the rise because I I've been following him from the beginning you know um, and I like my nezzy, my memory is fuzzy of my first mem most prominent memory is the feud with Ric Flair. Um, and just, you know, him always getting, uh, <laughs> getting screwed over by the horseman. And, uh, and that was just kind of a running theme in his early W career. But uh, that's probably first, like, memory. I knew about the, the UWF stuff, but, um, that wasn't something that I was, um, following. A, a lot at that time. 
Yeah, I think I'm similar to you. I, that's the early 90s, sort of seeing him on the cover of VHSs such as like Starcade 92 and the like, and then seeing his matches from the likes of Beat Cross 92 and his stuff with Vader and that, and I became a, a huge fan. Um, Nate, what about you? I mean, um, aren't you originally from Atlanta, sort of the home of WCW? Yes, I was born in Atlanta, you know, spent time growing up in Baltimore and and most of my childhood was spent in Virginia. So I'm right there in in the heart of Crockett country, in the heart of Flair country. And so, you know, our wrestling was the NWA. Our wrestling was WCW. And so Sting was somebody that, yeah, like I'd say late 80s, early 90s was definitely on my radar, you know, starting with that clash of champions back in 88 and then when we see just kind of that rise that that promotion that elevation of sting for the next two or three years like he was my guy like he was the favorite wrestler of my childhood and so like when we'll talk about it when we get into the early part of his career martin but just to have a baby face that that kids and even old people right could actually get into and get behind and and he didn't feel corny and cheesy even if some of the stuff in the late 80s was kind of corny and was kind of cheesy uh you know sting was always kind of that that baby face that you could rally behind oh yeah definitely completely uh, echo those sentiments so yeah i was a big fan of his uh in the early 90s and um yeah, just, um, I mean, just to get into some of his early career, um, he was born in 1959 in Nebraska before moving out to California as a kid. And apparently, according to a lot of interviews and what people have spoke about him, he said that he didn't really have any interest in wrestling at all, which, is, um, which isn't a usual story you hear from wrestlers, you know, most of them growing up as fans. And uh, <laughs> he had a, a background on the bodybuilding circuit around California and was the the co-owner of a gym when um, a certain man called Rick Bassman approached him about becoming a wrestler in the mid-80s and then sent him off to see a WF house show in California and agreed to give it a go. And um, just uh, as a little sidebar, Rick Bassman's quite an interesting guy. He's sort of like looking through his Wikipedia. He's a he's seemingly a, a one-time concert promoter. He was also a Disney executive at one point or another and then um, more famously promoting mixed martial arts and then ran the wrestling promotion that you mentioned recently there, Chris, in California, which saw Sting, Ultimate Warrior, John Cena, and Samoa Joe come through its doors. And um, Rick Bassman, is, is someone that you've heard much about, Chris? Um, yes, um, he's someone that I you definitely hear about him if you follow wrestling in um, California. He is the name that's going to come up. Like, um, I don't know a lot about him, but I know, like, you know, Samoa Joe, um, John Cena, um, Ultimate Warrior, Sting, all, like, these, like, prominent guys came up um, through his ranks. If you do a Google search of him, all you're going to see is um, pictures with him and wrestlers, you know. <laughs> um, and I do... Uh, want to say this real quick about Sting. Um, Sting is a Californian, okay? I, I, I've got, I, uh, I was watching some documentary, I think it might have been on uh, Wrestle with Andy's uh, YouTube page or something, and he kept on calling him a Nebraskan. He was born in Nebraska. He's from California, okay? <laughs> um, and <laughs> You know, just I just have to get that out out of the way. He he is a Californian. He he's somebody. He I think um, 
Sting rose the profile of the NWA, uh, WCW, Jim Crockett promotions a lot in the West Coast because he mm. was a prominent figure on, on the West Coast. Um, and um, so I just had that to say. So as you were, I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. Yeah. Um, well, before we get into that, I mean, he was originally put in a tag team with Jim Helwig and they wrestled in Continental before moving on to Bill Watts' promotion, UWF, and became known as the Blade Runners. And um, only seen sort of like little clips of these two. I mean, obviously, Helwig went off to become the Ultimate Warrior, and it was in UWF that uh, Sting started to make a name for himself and a variety of people behind the scenes, like Eddie Gilbert and Dusty Rhodes, really earmarked him to be the next big thing in wrestling. I mean, Nate, it's easy to see why. I mean, uh, great look with the bleach blonde hair for the late 80s, the face paint, and just um, his, his charisma, really. Yeah, and then it's funny that, you know, when you look back at that teaming with the Ultimate Warrior, and when you look at their careers kind of side by side, I think the Warrior is kind of like this comet, right, Martin, where once he hits, he's he's off to the stratosphere. You know, he he goes from the UWF, you know, he's in world-class for a bit as the Dingo Warrior. Uh, but by the time he gets to New York and Vince McMahon, he's off like a bullet. And he has this really hot but ultimately really brief time in, at, at the top. Whereas a guy like Sting, you see the progression, right? You see him climbing these rungs and you see – you know, Bill Watts and, and Eddie Gilbert and Dusty Rose, these these legendary names in the business taking note of this guy's skill set. And his climb to the top is not as fast as Jim Helwig's, but it's certainly more enduring, even to the fact where, like, today, like, Sting coming back to AEW in, in 2019, excuse me, Sting coming back to AEW in 2020, <laughs> like, that was a big deal. And so, like, there is just something about this guy that stands the test of time. And I, I think, like, there, it also shows you, like, how stacked the, the NWA was back then, where you've got guys on the come up like a Luger, you know, guys mm-hmm. on the come up like Sting, you know, and, and for mm-hmm. Sting to be the guy. Because I think if you just put them side by side, everybody, Martin, would be like, oh, Lex Luger, obviously, that's the guy with the nice flowing long blonde hair and the unbelievable muscles. Like, that's the guy. But no, it turned out to be this Nebraska-born California dude <laughs> that, that ended up being, like, the head of that class in, in the NWA. Yeah, because then, obviously, UWF was then bought by Jim Crockett Promotions, and uh, Sting found himself facing off against uh, NWA champion Ric Flair on the first ever Clash of Champions, which, uh, with the match ending in a 45-minute draw, and he had a, a number of high-profile matches in the late 80s against the likes of Great Moot, uh, Wyndham, and then he was even a horseman for a brief period, as uh, Chris <laughs> wrote earlier, and then he eventually... <laughs> Won the NWA heavyweight title, beating Flair at the Great American Bash 1990. And um, just some initial memories you had, Chris, of this late 80s run. And, you know, obviously you brought up there earlier about him. It, that became a, a thing throughout his career. You know, he, he always get he always trusting people and them turning on him. Right, yeah. So um, I have a question for both of you guys. Um, did you ever, like, back then in the 80s, uh, like, I remember a big debate, among my circle of wrestling friends was 
who came first, Ultimate Warrior or Sting, you know? And if you were a WD, if you were a WWF guy, it was of course Ultimate Warrior. If you were a WCW guy, it was Sting. because uh, a lot of people didn't know that they were actually they came up together at the same time. But I just used to think that was just so fascinating. And then uh, when I brought the um, one of those old Aftermax to school, and it said that they used to be a tag team with each other, everybody's mind was blown. You know? <laughs> like I, re- I, re- I remember that. Um, yeah, man, this was my like. I, I I can't say every. You'll probably hear me say, "Oh, this is my favorite era of seeing a bunch of times," but I did love this early. 90s 80 late 80s early 90s version of sting um i actually just to kind of brush up on some stuff went back and watched some of those um tapes of that guy that the guy was still huge um back then his body start coming down to earth probably about maybe 90 three-ish maybe but he was Sting was kind of um I mean, he wasn't that far beyond behind uh, Lex Luger, at least from my optics. No, I agree that you see some of these pictures of uh, him and Jim Helwig, and they're absolutely massive, aren't they? Mate? Yeah, and and I think the thing with Sting that though that made him kind of no pun intended jump off the page, Martin was that athleticism, and yeah. that's why I feel like he made such a great foil for Ric Flair. Because, you know, Flair is this jet-flying, limousine-riding, wheeling-dealing, kiss-stealing son of a gun that's going to try for every trick in the book, you know, with all this crafty veteran knowledge to take down this young pup in Sting. And Sting doesn't have any experience, you know, in the in storyline at all, and he's relying strictly on this God-given athletic ability. Uh, then you transition Sting into a match with somebody like Lex Luger. And it's these two big dudes going back and forth. But Sting has that advantage of just being this awesome athlete. And I think, you know, my favorite kind of rivalry during this time period is a name that you already brought up, Martin, and that's the Great Muda. Because these two guys were kind of like mirrors of each other where, you know, Muda wasn't as big as Sting, and Sting wasn't quite as quick as Muda, but for the most part, they were equals. And every match they had, for the most part, was just a great chess match between these two up-and-coming young stars. And so I think there's a lot to like about Sting in this time period. This isn't my favorite time period of Sting. I've got a definitive version unlike chris who's out here flip-flopping i'm not gonna flip-flop for the people i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna stick by my words uh like i've got a definitive period of sting that is my favorite in his career but you know this late 80s early 90s thing is just great man like it's you can tell like the the music fits like the the look the rat tail the blonde hair the the paint you know like he's you can tell why this is a character that resonated particularly with a lot of little kids, man. And and I don't think we can talk too much about Sting Martin without talking about his connection to the fans, right? And those little stingers in the yeah. early days were a big part of why this guy was so popular. Do you think it was the face paint and, like you say, the athleticism and then, you know, the uh, colony did the woo sort of thing? That was the thing that kids sort of like really uh, sort of like connected to him. 
uh, I think that when you look at why Sting was so popular in those early days, Martin, it's a combination of things. Like, yes, the face paint, yes, the colors, it's the, you know, it's the loud 80s, 90s wrestling promos that don't make any sense. Where he's he's got a lot of energy, Martin, and and he says people's mm. names when he talks, Martin. And and what's what's gonna happen when Stinger runs wild in that ring, Martin? But there's not a lot of substance behind his promos, but it's energy and and you know the theme song and and the fact that you know Sting was doing moves that I don't think a lot of guys his size were doing back then, in in mm-hmm. terms of the leaping and the flying type of stuff. So I think it just all kind of worked together. And he was he was a good guy that that you felt like you could root for because yeah he was a babyface, but he wasn't like some punk, right? Like he wasn't. Uh, a good guy that people walked all over. He was a good guy that would get up in the in the bad guys' faces and and fight the horsemen, even when he was outnumbered at times. I think he made for a really compelling uh, uh, good guy in in those days. Yeah, for definite. He definitely seemed like someone who would take on all comers. And like you say, I, I, <laughs> I kind of miss those sort of like late eighties uh, babyface <laughs> promos. They always used to crack me up, but. Um, I mean, we're, right. we're waxing lyrically, aren't we, Chris, about Sting and how great he was in the 80s. But then we're getting sort of like into this early 90s period, specifically in 99. And there was some yes. uh, there was some stuff, I think, that um, Sting had rather forget from his career. And I mean, um, let's go into Robocop first. I mean, that capital. Yes. You know, I mean, memories of Robocop, the tie-in with Robocop 2, the movie. And, and, and that was just, I mean, obviously we can look back and laugh at it now. But even as a kid, I was like, well, this is really hokey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought it was so stupid, and yeah, I was, a, and the thing with me is, as a kid, I was a big fan of those uh, RoboCop movies, even though I probably shouldn't have been watching them. Um, I, I like, I got to see them at in the theater, you know, and I knew how um, RoboCop looked, you know, <laughs> you you know for sure that that's not uh, who's Robo Peter Weller or whatever. Yeah. Um, you you know that that's not him, and you know I'll give Steve credit. Um, he did a good job of you know trying to like you know make it as authentic as possible, like giving <laughs> such corny crap. He you know he went out there and he he did his job. You know what I'm saying. Um, and, uh, like, and that was one thing about Steve that, you know, I always kind of respected, um, mm. even like you, cause even when, the when, uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 uh, shock master thing happened, uh, and the, you know, he fell and, you know, the, the stormtrooper helmet comes off his head. Steve is there trying to, you know, sell it. Sid is the greatest actor in wrestling history because he was like he he was like like taking it so serious like he mm. was just like like you know and then and then, those, and then with this RoboCop foolishness I give the Horsemen credit too I mean they it was stupid but they you know hey you do what your job they, you have a job you do it you know yeah well it is the thing like WCW at this time like. They were kind of trying for anything, throwing everything at the wall to see yeah. if it would stick. Whether you're talking about, you know, this RoboCop Sting deal, Martin, or the infamous, you know, Rick Steiner versus Chucky, 
uh, that, that we would get. Like, there was a lot of stuff that they yeah. were trying for in order to try to keep up with the WWF at the time. And I think, you know, Chris brings up a really good point, not just about this particular angle, but about Sting's career in general. Like, I will say the best and maybe worst thing about Sting, Martin, is that he's a really good company guy. Like, he really wants whatever company he's working in at the time to do well. And I think sometimes that comes at the expense of what might be best for Sting as an individual. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with both of you. I think no matter what, he's sort of like dealt up. That, you know, he, he gives it his best shot, doesn't he? I mean, um, and there was, that was no more evident than the uh, mysterious figure called the Black Scorpion who would attack <laughs> Sting. And obviously, <laughs> they were facing off in a cage at Starcade Night with Sting winning and revealing the Scorpion was, in fact, Ric Flair. I think that's a matching story the two would rather forget. So, although he won the title in 1990, it wasn't exactly a strong year Sting, you know, cemented as a top guy in WCW, but involved in a number of sort of silly angles and matches. But, um, Moving into 91 and 92, I think he had a much better time in ring, didn't he? Teaming him with his good friend Lex Luger to face the Steiners at Super Bowl 1. The two fantastic mm-hmm. games matches against the Horseman and Dangerous Alliance, the feud with mm. Vader, and then Cactus Jack at Beach Blast 92. Um, 91, 92, one of the strongest times for uh, WCW, I think, in ring and Sting especially, Nate. Yeah, this was a, a really good time for that man called Sting. I think... The combination between, you know, Sting being healthy, because that, that's something else that, that, that you know, kind of plagued Sting in those early years, too, was the injuries. And we would see Sting have to evolve, right? We'd see Sting have to adapt and then change his style to fit what his body could do at different particular times over the years. And so when we look at, like, 91, 92, I think everything's kind of starting to hit its stride. You talk about, you know, the, the tag matches with Luger. I think Sting and Luger are, are an underrated team. Uh, you know, you talk mm-hmm. about those, I was gonna say that. those war games matches. Like, those war games matches are s- so great, you know. Uh, maybe the late, great Brian Pillman didn't think one of them was too great, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there, Martin. No. But, but it feels like Sting is now becoming the top guy that he was supposed to be, you know, a year or two earlier. You know, it, it it took a while, and I don't think all of that or most of that even is on Sting. I think a lot of that has to do with, again, injuries, but also WCW slash the NWA at the time. Like, they really did not know what the hell they were doing at all at all times in terms yeah. of booking. Right. Yeah, I, to piggyback back off of what Nate said, I – I, like, you know how WWE does this a lot now where you just have, a, like, a makeshift team of two stars and you just put the belt on them, belts on them because you don't know what else to do? <laughs> like, they've they've done it so many different times. Um, like, they've you know, they've done it with, like, you know, Triple H and Austin and Triple H and Sean or not uh Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels. And that, that's you know, literally the only story they have for the women's tag titles. Yep. For the last right. two years yeah. it's only been on makeshift teams. <laughs> right. And 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 uh, I say all that to say Sting and Luger never felt like a makeshift team to mm-hmm. me. Just um they got together in what was it, nineteen eighty nineteen eighty eight. And the thing I liked about their team is they would always find their way back to each other, right? It was like, uh, 
you know, whether they were feuding with the Steiner brothers, and that was a, a great, fantastic feud, or whether it's during the the Luger stage where Luger's coming back to WCW mm-hmm. and everybody hates Luger. Even though Macho Man wrote a rap song about him like a couple years earlier in WWE, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but everybody hates him. But Luger, but Steve is like, hey, this is my friend. He's not that bad and stuff. But they, like, I, they, they didn't, they were a makeshift team. I, I consider mm. Steve and Luger a tag team. Yeah, well, I, like, like, let's 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 stay on that point for a second, real quick, uh, Martin, because I think one of the things I will credit Sting for, and I don't know how much of this credit goes to Steve Borden and how much of the credit goes to people actually paying attention in, in the writing room. And I, I would tend knowing some of the writers in the rooms where he worked for, uh, listen, bro, I, I would tend to uh, assume that, <laughs> that uh, this is more sting than the writers. Like there are certain through lines through all of Sting's career, regardless of the character he plays, like that friendship with Luger is a through line. Uh, you know, the, the gullibility and the naivete of Sting in those early years, particularly when it comes to trust in the horseman, like that stuff that comes back around later in, in later years when we get to like the NWO and and Sting's like trust of people and belief in people. And so there's there's these interesting character traits to the character of Sting that I think you can trace back to these early years. And I appreciate that, you know even though the look might change or the gimmick might change, Martin, there seems to be like some sort of consistency in this character, at least the way Sting plays him. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's hard to think of a time where he sort of, like you said, the looks might change, but you know, there is a consistency in, and you know, the presentation of the character and sort of like, you know, his, um, his beliefs sort of thing. But um, I suppose mm. also around this time period, you know, we had these great matches with Vader. In my mind, this is like yes. top yep. three opponent. You know, yes. Bash 92, the King of Cable in Starcade uh, 92, and then that cracking strap match in um, Super Brawl 3. I mean, they were just the perfect opponents for they weren't they? You know, Vader is a sort of like introduction into uh, American wrestling. I know he'd done uh, loads of great things in, in Japan, hadn't he? And then and just Sting being, you know, coming up against this monster who, who was a brilliant worker. Right. Yes. You know what this was? I love I loved the Sting Vader feud. This is when Vader was just um, Big Van Vader. He's such a badass. Came out with that crazy helmet that <laughs> yep, he used yep. to like sit down and all the smoke coming out of it and stuff. But what it was, at least, I, I don't know if WCW was trying to go for this, but Sting was Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. and Vader was Clubber Lang. Like, mm. Sting was like the guy who was enjoying the fruits of his labor, and, you know, you can make the argument that the comp- the competition he was facing probably wasn't the greatest competition and then Vader comes in and he's just like you know you know I'm I'm coming for you and Vader's Vader is hungry and Mm. he's you know he's just a thorn in this guy's side and even after Sting makes it to the to the mountaintop Vader is still there to kind of you know 
be like a foil to this guy and um you know sting sting just you know i think even vader probably like in real life broke his ribs or something like that um doing one of those flashes to him at least i heard that um but yeah, man, that's such a perfect feud, such an awesome feud. Um, if you were a, a WCW guy like like myself back then, you know, you you lived for that feud. And then it's one of those feuds, Chris, where like we see the versatility of Sting. You know, where yeah. like I was talking about earlier, how we see Sting being able to adapt to opponents like Flair or Luger or Muda. Now we've got Sting where he's the physical underdog, Martin, where he has to you know fight from underneath and that first match with Vader where Vader just comes in and Sting gets a little bit of offense, but it's like 80, 90% Vader in that match. And it just like goes to show you how good this guy is at playing a different version of the same character. And so, yeah, I, I love the, the, the pairing of, of Sting and Vader. I think that, you know, we, we all as wrestling fans know the kind of reputation uh, that, that the late great Vader had for being a little, a little snug in that ring, Martin. Uh, and, and I feel like Sting is one of those guys, particularly at that time in his career, uh, where he's still young and got all that piss and vinegar. I feel like that's a Sting that, that was happy to be in there and trade blows with Vader and, and made the matches just kind of that much more resonant. Yeah, because Foley's made no secret about the fact that he, you know, he gives a lot of credit to Sting for sort of like, you know, making him a bigger name and, and you know, mm. really helping him with his career because he didn't have to. And I think Foley had come, I think he mentioned in his book, it's a while since I've read it, but he said that, you know, he, he was all in for the matches, for the matches those two had, you know, and he showed no fear in doing sort of like, you know, it might look a bit you know, tame compared to today's standards. But at the time, you know, they was sickening some of the stuff they were doing, especially in that yep. week-plus match. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we, it'd be remiss of us not to mention it was also in this time period that we now had the uh, infamous mini-movies to promote these events. Uh, <laughs> Stinking oh, to the White yeah. Castle of Fear, him and Davy Roy Smith uh, <laughs> saving a beach from getting blown up with little people and kids. I mean, <laughs> these things really have to be seen to be believed, don't they, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, I actually won a law contest a while back uh, <laughs> with um, John and Way. I think on their old show when I sh- showed them that uh, video with Cheetah uh, and uh, <laughs> the whole beach explosion thing. <laughs> my God, that was so stupid. Oh, my God. I mean, look, look, Chris. You can you can say it's stupid, Chris, but Sting was out here trying to teach people life lessons through these motion pictures that he was making. Like in life, sometimes you got to spin the wheel so you can make a deal, Chris. Yeah. (laughs) And hopefully, in your life, it doesn't land on the coal miners' glove match. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Spin the wheel and make the deal. Spin the wheel and make the deal. I was. I was hoping, like when 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 they bought uh, Jake to uh, when he came to AEW and joined mm. um, Archer, I was that they had these little segments. I was hoping one of them would be uh, the spin the wheel, make the deal thing with all those <laughs> <laughs> all those undesirables in the little <laughs> spin the wheel, make the deal, spin the wheel. <laughs> 
god. Like again, like we're like we're saying, like these, yeah, like these are corny, these are cheesy, but like people still remember them to this day, Martin. And and yeah. you know, it's like they made an impact. And I think like part of the credit for these things being as quote unquote good as they were is Sting. Like I don't know if you put Lex Luger in the in the Sting role if these videos like if, is he able to pull off this kind of this kind of cheese. <laughs> Oh no! Well, David right. certainly wasn't. So uh, mm. yeah, he needed a, a big help from Sting, especially on that beach one. Um, but someone I did want to mention before we sort of like move on to sort of like the mid to late nineties um, is Rick Rude. I mean, Sting's quite synonymous mm-hmm. with him, and the, oh yeah, yes. number of feuds, didn't they? Faced off a number of times. Um, mainly, if I recall, feuding over the, the the WCW International Heavyweight Championship in Japan and the USA, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I look, I that love Rick Rude in uh, WWF, Chris, and I think you've said this before as well. Like, yeah. I prefer his WCW run to even his WWF run, just in terms of, like, the in-ring work, yeah. particularly with Sting. Like, like Rick Rude, like, that whole, like, Dangerous Alliance with Medusa and Pauly, like, this was some of the best foils that 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 sting had like this crew of just right. uh ne'er-do-wells led by paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was um sting uh, i mean this is sting, like rick rude was was such a badass when he got to wcw because mm. he comes in at that halloween havoc show, yep and his first night there he they beat down sting before the match and then later on in the show he takes his U.S. title, and you're immediately taking this guy seriously. He, and he's automatically more serious than he was in WWE. This mm-hmm. isn't to say that the stuff he did in WWE, WWF, um, wasn't serious. He, I, like, I took him serious in WWE, but in WCW, it was next-level seriousness. Mm-hmm. Like, the dancing was like secondary to him kicking everyone's ass um and you know it was the 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 whole feud there for for the united states title and for the um international world title it was just um great stuff from uh beginning to end and it showed you also kind of where WWE was at the time and where WCW was at the time mm-hmm. because in WCW in WCW you had Sting and it was like the 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 his opponents were like more realistic kind of things going, mm-hmm. like he was going against and I think in WWE you know it was all it was all about the characters and in some cases caricatures right mm. where I think in 91, it was, um, uh, what was going on? I don't even remember, but it was, it was more like, I know Hogan, he, in 90, he fought like earthquake and stuff like that, which was cool, but you know, it's it's gimmicks, you know? Was it? (laughs) I know you, you saying it was cool, but was it really? I mean, it was okay. I mean, Earthquake was a guy that you... We, we, that's that's got to be another show, but yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I liked Earthquake for what he was, you know what I'm saying? Look, look, well, look, and, and this this, this might be a bit of a spoiler for this next section we about to go into, Martin. But yes, like in 91, like Earthquake, cool. Typhoon, all them cool. 
But uh, when we would see them next, it, it was not as cool, Martin Bushby. No, because we did have the arrival of uh, one Hulk Hogan to WCW, didn't we? Mm. Uh, I feel in this oh sort of time God, period, Sting, yeah. Sting kind of gets lost in the shuffle for a while here, doesn't he? You know, we see him teaming with Hogan to face the Dungeon of Doom and holding the US title. Yep. And, um, you know, I kind of see '94 uh, and '95 as sort of Sting's wilderness years. The whole of mm. WCW is revolving around um, old Terry, Nate. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about earlier, Martin, where I feel like at this point in time, yes, you're bringing Hulk Hogan in, but I feel like Sting had enough clout as the top guy in the company, if he wanted to, to push back a little bit. But I don't right. think that I don't think that's who Steve Borden is. I think Steve Borden is like, you know, let's all work together, kumbaya, you know, it's we're all on the same team. And because like if Steve Borden were as we're like Terry Bollea in the fact that we know Hulk Hogan is like the ultimate politician, even if like not even Hulk Hogan, if if Steve Borden was Kevin Nash, it wouldn't have gone down like that. If Kevin Nash right. was the top guy in WCW and Hulk Hogan came in, I don't feel like he would have taken the back seat the way Sting did, unfortunately. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have taken the back seat, but I don't think, like you said, I don't think it would have been as egregious. I mean, everyone was, was taking a back seat to Hogan when he got there. It's just people would have, like, I think Kevin Nash would have made sure that his back seat was like um, in like an Escalade or a limo or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and not in like a a, a, a tourist or whatever or yeah. anything like that you know what I'm saying because like here's the thing like Steve is if you like I WCW was my shit in 92 93 Hogan gets there and everything just turns like corny you got mm-hmm. Evad Sullivan over here acting like a goof you got um <laughs> You got um, what's what you would call it? Earth earthquake, you know mm-hmm. the 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 what you that the um he was um what was he that the shark? Time? He was no, he was something. It was avalanche. He was avalanche. Yeah, yeah. And he and he was just a cheap imitation of what he was doing in WWE. And then you just the corniness after corniness. You have hacksaw beating Austin for the US title, you've got just it was it was Hogan really creating just extra levels of corny in WCW, turning it mm-hmm. from a, a WWE alternative to just a WWE retread. You know, honky tonk man is coming in there. Um, oh, man. Boss man, and then you know they don't even like you know try to make him. Then they made him the guardian angel because of copyright <laughs> or something. It's like this stuff is stupid. I do, I do. One thing I do like about that though is we got the um the guardian angel's heel turn during this time mm. for the big boss man where he's going through his identity crisis. And when he, like, I think it was Steve versus uh, 
avalanche in a match and uh boss man starts acting funny in the match and at the, at the interview that he goes that referee right there wasn't even supposed to read like that <laughs> i don't know if you guys have seen that clip but you gotta see it, man. It oh, is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But yeah, like, like, I think like what Chris is saying right there is, is important. Like, Sting is basically taking all of Hulk Hogan's leftovers oh, in yeah. these feuds during right. this time. And it's like, it, it doesn't work, man. And, and, you know, like, Hogan is pretty much exclusively, you know, feuding with Flair for a lot of this time. And right. it's like, there's nothing left for Sting. No, it wasn't really until 96, was he? And probably his, his most famous run, I would say. He's just sort of growing out his hair, getting rid of the yeah. bleach bomb, looking favor of the black hair. Right. The, the NWO. Um, a, yep. a small sort of sidebar. It's been talked a lot that sort of like Sting was the backup for Hogan as the third man at Bash of the Beach 96 um, if Hogan didn't want to do it. I mean, Nate, do you think the NWO angle would have been as successful if Sting was the leader rather than rather than Hogan? No. I don't think so at all, because what yeah. would have happened is if you have Sting being the leader of the NWO, then there's no hope for WCW as the baby faces in this feud. Because at the time, like the NWO is already getting at least 50% of the cheers, probably more. Uh, but if you put Hogan, Hall and Nash together, excuse me, Sting, Hall and Nash together, and then your WCW contingent is Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage and Lex Luger. Come on, <laughs> come on, Martin Bush. Right. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody out here cheering for for Macho Man and Lex Luger over Sting and the Outsiders. Like they're just so much cooler. I think it would have been too much of a balance. Plus, if we don't get Hogan in the NWO, we don't get Hollywood Hogan, which, in my opinion, is like the only good Hogan. Like that's the best version right. of Terry Bollea is Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, so like um. Sting oh, is seemingly sorry, sorry. sort of like being on Team WCW to face off against the NWO. But um, obviously, NWO start using Jeff Farmer, don't they, as the, mm. as the fake Sting. Right, and, yeah. And his best friends, Luger, and others questioning where Sting's allegiance lie. And Sting com- comes out, doesn't he, and cuts that great promo saying that he's going to be a free agent. And- yes, the free agent promo is yes. amazing. Okay, okay. Yes. This this is what we need to we need to pump the brakes for a second, Martin Bush, because we right now we're in my favorite era of Sting, okay. where he's still colorful, but he's not surfer Sting. This is the, this is the era of Sting I like to call Chris. This is grown ass man Sting. Like he was right, he yeah. was a little he was a little young pup with the with the bleach blonde hair and the rat tail and all the colors. Now he's grown up. He's like middle-aged dad sting like he's gone through some mm-hmm. things his he's grown up his friends have betrayed him he he realizes life and what it what he thought it was going to be martin you yeah. know he's he's unhappy at work and then he goes out there and cuts that free agent promo with his back to the hard cam and and to me like this was a big moment not only because it advanced this nwo storyline but one of the big knocks on sting early in his career was the guy has a lot of energy and he has physical charisma, but he can't talk. He can't cut promos. And right. I think this was an excellent promo because it it set everything up that was to come. You know, he's going to the Raptors and, you know, the only thing for sure is nothing's for sure. And, you know, if you have my back, I have yours. So, like, I think this, like, era of Sting is, is by far 
you know, not that I hate any era of Sting. I, I love all eras of Sting, but this is my favorite, Martin, because it's it's like the the pivot. Like, I think the hardest thing to do is to go from Surfer Sting to Crow, and there had to be that pivot point. Mm. And, like, this year or month or, or like, you know, nine months, ten months, however long it was, like, that was the pivot that we needed to get to Crow. Yeah, Chris, what was right. your reaction? Obviously, being a big fan of uh, Sting in the early 90s and, you know, the bleach blonde hair and, and things like that. And what was your reaction, sort of like, when Sting debuted this new uh, Crow character? Okay, so um, I, I like the, 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 the pivot point that, that in the promo where he said that he's, you know, it was like, what I loved about that promo is it was like him, like, under it was like he came to the realization like WCW you guys have been fucking me raw <laughs> since nineteen eighty eight. You know, <laughs> Ric Flair, you 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 guys over here asking me to be your friend and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. Ric Flair, every chance you got, you turned on me. You yep. know, the one time you should believe me, you don't, and that's the end of it. So mm-hmm. then he turns into into this this new character. He slowly evolves into that, you know, grows his hair out, and then he the makeup he, he keeps that colorful stuff like Nate was saying, and then he just kind of turns into this crow. And then the 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 crow character happens. And at first I wasn't that fond of of him turning into that because he just would never wrestle. But when you look back on it, mm. it's probably some of the best storytelling mm-hmm. uh, WCW had ever done up until that point. Um, then, then, of course, they had to WCWify it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was up until that point, man. It's like this guy was like, he was like, look, I'm not. You know, I'm gonna. You know, I, I he had to do some soul searching to see where his loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. It's like a guy who's who's been friends with people for a long time, and he starts. You know, and he you know goes away, goes to college, or goes to the army, or whatever, and he comes back in town, and he has to see do you people still fit in my life? And that was mm. kind of what he was doing with WCW. Do all you losers who, who turned on me and blame me for some shit with only circumstantial evidence, no real hard proof. Right. How do you fuck fit my life still? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I'll, go, I'll go one step further, Martin. Like I think from the formation of the NWO up to like two minutes left in the match at uh Starcade, I think that's some of the best storytelling in wrestling history. Now, yeah, WC being WCW, they're going to fumble it in the last two minutes. Like, <laughs> like they, they drove the ball for 95 yard, yards, Martin. Just a wonderful, masterful drive, only to fumble at the one-yard line. And then that's how I feel about this angle. But, like, Sting going up to the Raptors, not talking for a year, right? Like, just... You know, pointing at signs in the crowd and sending down the, you know, the, the vulture to look at Hulk Hogan or that, that little creepy mm-hmm. little boy, the creepy little boy, like mm-hmm. when a man's heart is filled with deceit, like just all of the trappings and the, the smoke and mirrors. Like, I think that's some of the best storytelling, uh, you know, that I've seen as a wrestling fan. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And just that mystique they created around him, you know, by not mm. having him talk for like how many, 15 months or whatever it was. And just, I think my, my, I think the most memorable from all that was, you know, obviously he was coming out on Nitro, wasn't he? And teasing whether he was part of NWO mm-hmm. or WCW. And then that uncensored 1997 dropping down from the rafters, Dennis Rodman's there flanking Hogan. <laughs> Clean time. <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic with the crowd going insane. I could watch that sort of like every day. Just a brilliant um, wrestling moment. And obviously that mystique was what around the Sting character, you know, with his brief appearances, that's what really built up this match we're going to talk about next, sadly, uh, yes. building up this match with uh, Hogan at Starcade. I mean, uh, we'll go with you, Nate. I mean, memories of this time period in 97. Did you think some uh, the Luger title win on Nitro maybe took some of the steam out of Sting facing off, um, or was it just um, it was full steam ahead and they could do no wrong leading into Starcade? Yeah, looking back, like, that's obviously a move that you wouldn't make, but I think just as a fan at the time, like, I was still so hyped for Sting Hogan did uh, it like any any you know side trip that we took was just that like yeah like Lex had a nice little side trip you know they they cleaned the belts off only for it to get dirty again in a couple weeks mm-hmm. uh but like right. that was a nice little detour but we really focused on Sting so going into the right. seven Chris we get to the match itself don't we I mean obviously WCW's biggest buy rate gone down in history as one of the biggest misfires in wrestling I mean there's tons to unpack on this one. You know, we've had Bischoff mm. saying that Sting showed up at the building without tanning. Uh, <laughs> <not looking laughs> yeah, right. that's so stupid, man. And, and yeah. then he sort of alluded to some personal problems behind the scenes, maybe. But, um, mm. yeah, Stock A97, one of the biggest letdowns in, in wrestling history, Chris. Okay, so... I got to back up for a second. Uh, I do need to mention... I, I actually like the Luger title run it was only for a week he had it for monday to monday i like that because i think the ww i think the nwo storyline needed some levity because every single week it was wcw getting their ass beat Mm -hmm. so for for one week you had a moment of momentary bliss with luger having a title then wiping a spray paint off and just like, um, you know, the Republican Party out here, you know, they come back with a vengeance. You know what I'm saying? Look, look Luger, Luger uh, was Thor at the end of Infinity War. Spoiler alert. Like when when he killed, when he uh, uh, hits yeah. Thanos with that with that axe, you're like, OK, OK, the, the good guys have won, Martin Bushby. But it turns <laughs> out Terry Malaya just looked at Lex Luger and said, you should have went for the head, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so I, I like that. And 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 the and the the the, the, the duck, I don't care if Sting came to Starcade that year, strung out on crack and heroin. Um, <laughs> he should have won that belt, man. You 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 worry about the drug problems later. Mm-hmm. Like, look, you you you're we're giving you this title, but you are high off of heroin, so. Um, we yeah, gotta like, work on that. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to disparage Eric Bischoff, guys, but you know, look, looking back at that match, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need eighty-three weeks, I don't need eighty-three months, eighty-three days, eighty-three mm-hmm. seconds to know that that was a bad yeah. idea. Like, like Chris is saying, yeah. like, if there were things with Sting, whether it was physical or you know, whether it's like the mental stuff, you know, Sting himself has said he he wasn't at the best place in that in that time frame. But you get through the match. 
You know, you get through yeah. the match, you give the people what they want, you end the story, and then you figure things out after that. Because the way they ended it, like, not only did you make Sting look stupid, not only did you not really help Hogan, but you brought Bret Hart into all of this foolishness, Martin. Mm. And I don't yeah. think, like, like Bret, Bret never recovered from this foolishness. Brett did not need to be part of that whatsoever, did he? And this whole tanning thing, I mean, they are really clutching at straws there, aren't they? I mean, I've seen the crow. I mean, he's supposed to be this sort of, like, pale-faced guy. I mean, why would he come in looking like fucking, you know, like like bronzed? Like, yeah. It, yeah, this is this is definitely one of the, and it just goes to show you how stupid WCW was at you know during this time anyway. Because back, like if it were WWE or AEW or something, Hogan comes in and Hogan, if Hogan, Hogan should have been in WCW. He should have been feuding with Ron Simmons. He should have been feuding with Steve Austin. He should have been feuding with all those up-and-coming guys. And I'm not saying he should have lost to them, but feud with them so their stock could get risen. You know, mm-hmm. that's what that's what AEW did with Moxley. That's what kind of uh, WWE did with Ric Flair when they bought him in. You know, he was partnered with, Le- with Razor Ramon, and he was with Undertaker, you know, and he was... They put him next to guys that could benefit from basking in the glow of the of Ric Flair. Um, Hogan goes into WCW and we get shit like this. This 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 horrible, horrible, horrible um thing. And no one and, and still what pisses me so off so much about that Starcade is no one is fucking copping to it. You know, it's it's a, it's <laughs> we're in 2021, man. I'm a 40-year-old man now. This happened when I was a teenager. And nobody is still saying whose fault it was that happened. You know, and that's and that's the thing that irks me the most about it. They're saying, well, Steve wasn't tanned enough or some some stupid shit. A rumor is uh, Hogan paid off Nick Patrick, but he's not admitting to it. And Hogan's not admitting to it. You guys are grown-ass fucking men. It meant to something, man. Like, just make me feel like <laughs> I'm never gonna feel good about Starcade '97. But at least, <laughs> at least, just you know, just just give me answers, man. Mm-hmm. Just you know, it's, it's some answers, you know. I think it goes back to what you were saying before as well, Nate. That you know, Sting coming in that night and agreeing to all this, you know, all these shenanigans and stuff in yeah. the company man and just doing what's best for the company because they did have the rematch on Nitro the night after, and then the belt was held up, and then you know he did finally beat Hogan again at Super Bowl Eight. But um, you know, they did well and truly screwed the pooch at that point. Yep. By then, like the momentum was gone. Like the only good thing that came sure. out of that was was uh we finally got to hear Sting's speak on uh, that Nitro where he looks at uh, J.J. Dillon and he's like, you got no spine. And then he points the bat at Hogan. It's like, and you, you're a dead man. It's like, uh, like, that, again, that's, that. like, I think if Sting were a little bit more uh, uh, selfish, I hate to say it, but but I think that's the right word, Martin. If if he were more selfish with his career, uh, he would have said, no, like, we're gonna we're gonna do the match. You're gonna get a little bit of offense in. But I'm gonna destroy you because that's what the story t- that's that's what the story calls for. And then whatever you guys want to do on Monday, 
that's Monday. But tonight, like, nah, like, you, you're not, this isn't happening. Brett, you stay over there. You're not going to be involved in this at all because it doesn't make any damn sense. Like, I'm going to go out here, yeah. I'm going to crush Hogan, and that'll be it. Yeah, definitely. Because fans started turning over to WF in droves at this point, didn't they? Because my memories are sort of hazy around this sort of like, I mean, you could even have it 98 till WCW closing in 2001 because obviously him joining the Wolf Pack, you know, it's quite interesting mm. seeing him in the red face paint looked pretty cool, but other than that, nothing much memorable. Um, I don't think there is a strong run from Sting from 1998 to 2001. I mean, he had, um, I remember a decent match he had with DDP in 99, but a lot yeah. of dross, I think, Nate, is feuded with Vampire. Um, yeah. You know, they had the dream matches with Bret Hart, not really living up to the hype either. Nope. And, and I think, like, yeah. 97 to the end of WCW, like, the end of Starcade 97 to the cl- till WCW closed the doors. And that's something, you know, Brian Mann and I have talked extensively about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they just don't know what to do with Sting, in part because, again, I think Sting is more than happy to go with the flow. I think Sting's right. happy to, you know, like, like, we're all on the same team. We're a company man. Like, sure, you want to change my awesome Crow theme music to this, uh, is it Megadeth or Metallica? Like Megadeth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Megadeth, yeah. You yeah. want to change my awesome uh, orchestral crow music to this Megadeth song? Because Time Warner's got to deal with Megadeth and Dave Mustaine? Sure, I'm a company man. Let's do it, guys. <laughs> and, you, uh-huh. you want you want to have me fight Vampiro and have a stunt double jump off of the top of this Titan Tron? Sure, I'll do it, guys, because I'm a company man. You want me to have a feud with Dale Torborg? I'll do it, guys, because I'm a company man. It's like, I feel at some point Sting probably should have said, like, no, like, I'm not doing this, guys. I'm going to be just like Flair or or Nash or any of these other guys, and I'm going to take my ball and go home until you figure out whatever you're going to figure out. Chris, did you uh, watch WCW and its dying days right up until the McMahons bought it? I was watching it. Um... Like, um, I mean, here's the thing about WCW, even though it was garbage <laughs> towards the end, it was still, you, you still had that factor of who's going to jump, you know, like that was one of the things I used to like about wrestling back in the nineties, um, in the. 2000, early 2000s when WCW was still around, it was always this thing of, you know, if a, if a guy got his ass kicked in an extra special way, you already, you didn't even need to need an aftermath to tell you, oh, this guy's going to WWE, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Diesel, I didn't need to you know, read the aftermath to watch how he lost to the Undertaker and to see how he lost to Shawn Michaels <laughs> to know that guy was getting sent packing, you know. Um, and that was a good thing about WCWs because you still had guys going back and forth right up until the end. Um, the Sting stuff, they tried to turn him into a heel. That, I mean, it, it would have made sense, but the guy, he didn't, Sting didn't want to commit to that role because he had just found um, Christ and stuff. So that wasn't something that he was comfortable doing. He, did, he didn't want to be a late 90s wrestling hill. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, a late 90s wrestling hill meant you had to have some edge. You might you had to 
drop a few cuss words here and there, you know. And I don't think that would have felt. That would, time he was a heel, wasn't it, Nate? Yeah, like, and it wouldn't have felt authentic either. Like, I think that's that's the big thing too. Like, Ace thing wouldn't have been committed to it, like Chris is saying. But also, like, the I don't think the fans would have bought it. It's like when they tried to turn Goldberg heel. Like, ain't nobody in WCW want to want to boo Goldberg. You know, nobody in WCW mm-hmm. wanted to boo Sting. But you know, you try to force these guys into these roles that you know they're not comfortable with and we as fans don't want to see like i think it wouldn't have worked especially in that time period where like you had to go so extra to be a heel back then mm-hmm. uh you know with 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 uh, one vincent russo uh in in charge <laughs> of things like like listen bro what i want you to do thing is go in there and mm-hmm. call stacy keebler a slut bro because that's gonna get you <laughs> like like, like for, yeah. for, for once i could see sting saying like no i'm not gonna do that that's that's, right. that's all yeah uh like i think and the I, only I, I, well, I was going to say, Chris, I think the only good moment Sting really had in that late period was on the final Nitro because yeah. Yeah. they, you know, brought Ric Flair back. You know, Rick wasn't expecting to wrestle, uh, but they brought Flair back. And, you know, the the way Nitro started with the Flair-Sting match, we're going to let Nitro end. And it was a good, you know, it, it's not the best Flair-Sting match. It's not even in the top five Flair-Sting matches. But for him to have that moment going out with the guy that, put him over uh you know and the, the image that i kind of always remember from that match martin is the end of the match and to me this image kind of crystallizes the flair sting relationship where flair's like been beat and the ref is raising sting's hand sting is is trying to lift flair up but flair's like kind of on one knee giving respect to sting and it's like rick always wanted to put sting over but sting always wanted to be on this them to be on the same level and it's like just this great kind of ending to this feud which unfortunately was interrupted by Vince McMahon walking back and forth up and down the damn ramp yeah <laughs> it was yeah. I don't agree though it was a good it was a good sort of like uh, there were two bookends for Nitro weren't they them opening it and them closing it, it was it was it was the right choice to make on that last Nitro um yes obviously WCW's bought by the McMahon's and uh Sting isn't around for the invasion, choosing to uh, sit out his <laughs> turn of contract and who can blame him. And then he doesn't sign with WWE. I think um, he has said that he, he looked at the way Booker T was treated. Specifically, mm-hmm. um, there was a backstage interaction with Booker and The Rock, and The Rock said, who are you to Booker T? And Sting was like, yeah. saw that as a burial. And he said, like, after all these years in wrestling, he, you know, it was too much of a gamble for him to sign with uh with WWE. I mean, we'll get to uh, Sting actually signing with WWE later, but um, Chris, I mean, there was always talk of Sting signing with WWE all through the 90s and all through the 2000s. Do you think there is a specific point where, where it would have made um, it would have made more sense for him to sign with WWE? He did the exact right thing to not sign with those <laughs> fucking bums. Um, I used to, uh, I used to be in the mindset that oh no he should have signed with WWE right when WCW closed and all this and I thought oh imagine what they would have done with them mm. Sting's premonitions are correct it's there's there is no what might have been because you know what WWE would have done they would have bought him in there 
and he would have did exactly what he did to WrestleMania in San Francisco. That I went to live, <laughs> I left right. I, I didn't even stick around after. I I went to that match and drove right the fuck back to Los Angeles. Um, it just, it just. I was like, okay, this is. I I felt so disrespected, man. Um, I used to see like Sting. It was personal to me because Sting was a guy that I used to see around town. You know what I'm saying? His his son went to Azusa Pacific University. Um, he was playing uh, football there. I would sometimes see Sting. I'd wave, and you know, it was just one of those things. So it just felt like it was just going to be such a good thing him going to WWE, and then he goes, and then the bullshit happens. But um, not to I know we're going to talk about that, but I, I, I don't look back at seeing not going to WWE as a bad thing. I think he did exactly what he should have did. He went, took his ass to TNA, was able to hold on to some of that legacy he built up on. He, he helped uh, in the formation of giving credibility to guys like AJ Styles and, um, EC3 and you know all these different guys. He he did his thing, and I'm glad that he didn't go to WWE. And I I think if he went to WWE, he um it would have been a bad business. And Booker T, I've heard him on his podcast um say, "Oh, I never took it personal. I mean, you know, that's business. That's money. Shut the fuck up, man." <laughs> <laughs> It would it wouldn't have been good for Sting, and that's all I gotta say. Well, yeah, like, I, I, I think Chris, like, and, and Martin, like, yeah, like it would have been cool from a business standpoint, I guess. And if they, if 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 that's the big if, if they were able to do the invasion right, which is mm. a big if, like that's a big big hypothetical. If you had yeah. all the big names under contract, uh, you know, the Nashes and the and the, you know. Hogan and 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 Sting and all those dudes off the top, it could have been different. But I think when you go back and look at all of those WCW top guys that went to the WWE, like sure they made money, like Booker made money and won championships. You know, a guy like Ray, like Ray went over there, got over, still making money to this day. Uh, Goldberg, Goldberg went there, and made you know made money, won titles. But can you honestly say, you know, outside of a guy like Ray Mysterio? you know, who was not a main eventer in WCW. But out of yeah. all those WCW main eventers, like, were any of them really elevated past the point they already were in WCW? Like, I, I would say most of them are, you know, yeah, yeah you have more eyeballs because the WWE was the biggest show in town. But in terms of what they were doing on the show, I can't say Booker was in a better position there than he was in WCW. I can't say Goldberg right, yeah. was in a better position there than he was in WCW. No, not at all. Yeah, and uh, Booker, and he was having better matches in WCW, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Think of their best right, and, and yep. Yeah, and then even with Booker T, he did. He lucked into his title reign, his lone title reign in WWE with with the world title. He lucked into that because that tournament was built for Bobby Bobby Lashley to win that King of the Ring tournament. But then Booker T start doing that Hill Booker T stuff. And that's when the company had kind of an about face on Lashley winning the King of the Ring and gave it to Booker T. 
But um, Booker T's like like you guys said. I mean, his WCW run was was just fine. He he had some good feuds. Um, he was on the last legs, but it's not like 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 he Booker T went to WWE and it helped him become a household name. Yeah. Um, but he was never really um a main event. I think with WWE, they, there's more of something to play around with with the Booker T and a Rey Mysterio and stuff like that. With Sting, um, it's one of the things where he's already got an established, fully fleshed out legacy. And I don't think that, I think they were always kind of offended with that, by that. Like, even with the reign that Goldberg has, had has had the only reason why Goldberg got the titles because they don't know what to do with their fucking current guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like so they, they, they were they respect WCW main eventers more than they respect the new their new guys on the roster because they don't push any of those fuckers. Yeah, I think they do now, especially around the invasion time. They certainly didn't, but um, obviously Sting made it a good choice, especially not um, you know sitting out his Time Warner contract and not in you know not joining in on that invasion stuff. But obviously, as you alluded to there, Chris, you know he, he did sign with TNA, brief run with them in two thousand and three, and then he kept signing with them a number of times. You know, um, we had some some good stuff and some bad stuff, which are safe to say is, is all TNA. Um, you know, he, <laughs> he feuded with Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle, AJ Styles from the main event Mafia, um, inducted into their Hall of Fame. And um, we also had the great Joker Sting uh, during his time as TNA general manager and even had, um, um, dare I say, a, a good match with uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, just some of your favorite moments and, and memories of Sting in TNA, Nate. Yeah, I think Sting in TNA is maybe like this is the heart of who Sting is. Like he is a guy that knows he's a big name, but he wants to be in the right situation, even if it's not in the situation that is, you know, getting the biggest eyeballs and the most spotlight. And so he goes to TNA, a company where he's a big fish in a relatively small pond, but he wants to help. And we see a lot of that now in AEW. And I think that's one of the most admirable things about Sting is that like he easily could be the part-time guy, the big-time guy, the guy that, you know, is is uppity towards the young talent. But he went in there and he tried to get guys over. And like if you look at that, I think it's bound for Glory 09. The the match that is like the culmination of his feud with AJ Styles, where Sting essentially passes the torch to AJ. Like, that's a great match that everybody should check out. It's a great moment. You got a nice little post-match deal between Sting and AJ. Unfortunately, and this is this this might be a recurring theme, Martin Bushby, just when Sting is starting to get things going and get things rolling just the way it should be, in comes Terry Bolea. Because <laughs> <laughs> 2010, like 2010 on, we get Sting again being pushed to the back. And accepting it. And it's like, yeah, like, like, I think 03 through 09, you get some really good matches. Sting really trying to help out this younger generation. Uh, some interesting combinations of uh, uh, opponents during this time. And then Terry comes in and it all goes bad. But even then, like, Sting is trying hard. Like, like Sting never takes a night off, uh, even if the matches aren't that great. Uh, like, the fact the fact he was able to pull a decent match 
out of Hulk Hogan in TNA, it like like that alone makes Sting a Hall of Famer in my book, Martin Bushby. The fact that he was able to pull that yeah. magic trick out of the hat. <laughs> I think that's right. the thing as well. He could still go as well, couldn't he, Chris? Mm. I mean, we were talking about, you know, especially that AJ match was certainly something that people should check out, as Nate just said there. And then still like with Kurt Angle and even with Jeff Jarrett, they were still uh, pretty decent matches. Yeah, yeah, I thought he did a um a good. I one thing I respect about TNA and Sting's relationship is even though I didn't love everything they did with Sting, I always thought, and I crap, I, like Nate's been hearing me do this for eleven years. I TNA, I don't have a whole lot of nice things to say about him, <laughs> but the one thing that they that I always respected about them is they always treated Sting and his career with with the reverence that it deserved. Mm. Um, and I don't think you really got that in WWE. Even in WCW towards the end, I don't really think they gave Sting the best that they could have given him. But I do think that, I mean, TNA was just not a good place to work at, right? It was just a, a toxic environment. But, I, I mean, at the end of the day, they did, you know, give Sting, you know, at, like pretty much everything he wanted. Like, I remember there was this brief tease there in 2010 where, you know, that um, the, the WWE, they, they shot these vignettes with The Undertaker and the whole internet went wild and crazy thinking it was... Um, gonna be sting i did too um and in um tna you know called real quick to re- renegotiate that contract <laughs> with her to make sure he didn't go to wwe and i don't think wwe ever made him like because he, he did say that that wwe made him an offer during that time i just don't think it was um a respectable offer but um, yeah, the TNA stuff is not there. There's not anything with Sting and TNA that well, the Claire Lynch stuff and all that. Um, was he a part of that? No, that was just no. AJ. Okay, so, yeah. So I don't really, I don't think Sting got a lot of garbage. In TNA, I think he was just around a lot of the garbage. Yeah, TNA. I think like they, like Correct. for most yeah, most fans, Chris, like if they were going to point to anything, I don't agree. But I think they'd point to Joker's thing. But even with Joker's thing, I think yeah, like even if you didn't like that character, Martin, you could tell that Sting was having fun with it, and I think that makes it better than it than it probably should have been. Mm. I think I'd say well, probably the match with Jeff Hardy through no fault of Sting's own. Yeah, yeah. yeah that- nothing to do with him yeah. yeah and then i think sometimes people will look back at the uh feud he had with abyss and they had the fire russo chances oh like, yeah yeah not, not, that's not where the moment. that's the one where that's the one where they where he said that abyss like killed the guy or some stuff like yeah, that, that the like they had some kind of dreadful yeah on a pay-per-view yeah but yeah uh, well you know what as horrible as that was I, I'll give them, they, they were trying something with the guy, you know, it was, wasn't good, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I, I don't know the words for this, but at, 
I think that they what they I think what they thought out was an intricate storyline, but when it came to a to realization, mm-hmm. it was just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I think I don't even think WWE gives wrestlers that benefit right now. Though I do like what they're doing with Lashley at the moment, but I think I, I can I if you try, I can at least say, hey, this you know, this is, they're trying to give this guy something he could sink his teeth into, as silly as it was. But after he sort of, like, uh, tied everything up with TNA, that's, it was 2K who seemed to be the sort of, like, bridge between WWE yep. and, uh, and a lot of people, don't they? And, you know, they revealed that he was going to be a playable character in 2014, and then, uh, we had him finally in WWE Survivor Series 2014, making his debut attacking Triple H. And um, I mean, we'll get into. The we have to talk one, about but... that. We have to talk about that TK commercial, the the uh, 2K commercial. Um, but go ahead, we do have to talk about that. Now go ahead, Chris. That was an awesome commercial. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that I wanted to see Sting in WWE before that commercial. That commercial was the best part of Sting's WWE career. They <laughs> had that his WCW music and all like the lookalikes, and then then beating that drum. And mm-hmm. it's like, my God, this! I want this guy to debut last week, man. Yeah. It, it was so 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 awesome, and it really. And then of course when they debut him at at, at um, Survivor Series, they bring him out to some shitty stock music or whatever, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I like, the, that commercial was awesome, and again, shout out to 2K because they were doing the Lord's work for a few years there, Martin. This, yeah. they, were, they, they were like uh, the, the Peace Summit. They were the mediator, bringing yeah. people to the WWE, uh, but I, I think like that really, like when you saw the reaction to that commercial, it was like, okay, like, because, you know, people around that time are like, oh, you know, Sting's been in TNA. He's he's over the hill. He's washed up. What would it even really mean? And when I think people saw the reaction to that 2K commercial, they're like, oh, yes, yeah, like Sting still means something, even to this day. And so fast forward to Survivor Series, like, I thought that was, like, the highlight. Like, that to me was the peak. And everything following that was us coming down from the mountaintop, Martin. Mm. Uh, you know, just again, go like it, it, and it tracks with Sting. Uh, and you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm saying it tracks with the character of Sting or the the character of Steve Borden. Uh, but I think the fact that he came in and his first thing was to go against unjust authority and to help out this younger guy, even though Dolph Ziggler was probably like 35 at the damn time. Um, <laughs> in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, he's a young up-and-coming dude, Martin. Uh, but the fact that, like, Sting didn't come in to put over Cena, right? He didn't come in to put over somebody who didn't need it. He came in, took on Triple H, and put over Dolph Ziggler in one, like, in one fell swoop. And after that, I think everybody was like, okay, yeah, Sting in WWE, let's go. This is going to be fun. And unfortunately, the next time we, we saw Sting, I think they had him doing the Black Scorpion Ole Anderson voice gimmick. Mm. Well, I mean, that, I mean um, Chris has given his uh, thoughts on the WrestleMania 31 match, haven't they, in San Jose? And uh, 
You know, I think that's a match that a lot of Sting fans would rather forget. You know, at the end mm. of coming out, DX coming out, and then Triple H beating Sting. I mean, memories of that match, Nate. I mean, it just, I mean, seeing the NWO coming out down that massive stage, you know, the O. <laughs> <Yeah. season. laughs> this is this is the second worst Triple H victory at a WrestleMania ever. What's the, the only the only one that is that is more than that is the Booker T win. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you know, we talked about that match in in, in long length on uh, Bush P and Thompson's wrestling adventure, Martin. Uh, but I think that I get the need to throw in nostalgia. But if you're gonna do nostalgia, make it make sense. And the fact that you had no. Sting and the NWO on one side versus Triple H and DX, like it didn't make any sense whatsoever. I think there was a way to do that match if you want to tell the WCW versus uh, versus WWE story, but it didn't even need that, Martin, because I just said like a second ago, how this all started was Sting came here to help the young guys, but the way we ended is Triple H and the WWE finally beat WCW, and that's not what we came here for, and I think like the fact that Triple H won that match, it was it was a slap in the face to a lot of fans of Sting and a lot of WCW fans. And like, I think when I think about Sting's time in the WWE, uh, I think Vince McMahon respects Sting, Mm. but I don't think that he appreciates Sting. And that's a difference from when you look at Sting in TNA and when we look at Sting in AEW, I think those are companies that appreciate Sting even more so than respecting it. Right. Yeah, it it was it really was a smack in the face. Um, I remember that WrestleMania in San Jose because I drove up there that weekend for it. Um, it was like a five hour drive. It was like right before I became. That's that's, that's uh, the best part of this story, though. That Chris, like, I don't think you, you ladies and gentlemen, listening right now, do yeah. you understand how angry? Chris from LA was that he got back in his car, didn't wait for the show to finish, drove five hours back home. Like that's how mad this brother was about the outcome of this match. I've got this image right, of, uh, yeah. of Chris jumping into his car with his sting t shirt on and his sting mask on. You know, it was it was funny because um one they just they botched the sting thing so so much because it was broad daylight when he came <laughs> out. So you really didn't get the effect of his yep. entrance. Um, I was hanging out with um, Nate, not with um, Waiting mm-hmm. and John Pollock in San Jose. They had some event at some barbecue joint um, there earlier. I was with Marcus that day too. Um, I was going back and forth in my head if I even wanted to go to WrestleMania because WrestleMania is usually just a long ass time. Mm. And I don't always like going to WrestleManias. And I, I'll never go into a Hall of Fame ceremony ever again um, <laughs> unless it's unless it's like The Rock for an hour straight or something like that. I'm not going to another WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. But I go to this thing. The barbecue at the spot was decent. I, 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 against my better judgment, I go to WrestleMania <laughs> and then they do that fuckery. Yeah, I just got in my car five hours. I just got my car. <laughs> and just, just straight and, Martin, just no stops, nothing. Yeah, just five yeah, hours. The whole yeah. way. He's just stupid you Triple mean, H. <laughs> yeah. 
luckily my my uh civic i was driving a civic at the time it was it was already packed i was like i I don't need this shit i was actually like considering like well maybe pollock and ting are going to do some kind of after party and i was like you know what I'm, I'm just going to fuck home. <laughs> so didn't didn't even need to stop for gas. The car was running off the fumes of the anger he felt for it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so, Nick? Yeah. Do you think they should have... Um, I mean, obviously, everyone was hoping for the Undertaker match. Do you think they should have done a Smoke and Mirrors match with Undertaker that year instead? I think that would have been better. I think that would have been better mm. than what we got. Um, and, and, like... Yeah, like it, it's it's a shame, man. Because again, I feel like this is another example, Martin, of Sting being the company guy. Mm. And granted, mm. like it's 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 not the same situation as WCW where he had a little bit more stroke, or TNA where he had a little bit more stroke. But he should have said like, "Hey, like Hunter, come on, dog. Like like we're not doing this. Like if you want to do the handshake at the end, we can do that." But I have to win because of the story that we're telling here. Because uh, if not, you're going to piss people off and they're going to drive five hours home without watching the rest <laughs> of the show. Right, yeah. The only person, like, if, if you're bringing this thing for the first time and he's going up against uh, The Undertaker, yeah, he can lose to The Undertaker. Yeah. Um, Triple H, it just makes no sense. And and I, and I think the Sting thing is more egregious than the Booker T thing because... The, they had the Booker T thing to learn from. <laughs> you know? and, and a good point. Not, and, yeah, they didn't learn. They didn't learn one goddamn thing. I, I mean, it was just really, dude. I mean, at least for Kofi, they kind of learned their lesson and then botched that. But for a few months, we got a good Kofi run. But the same thing, yeah, they should have learned their lesson by then. Um, and they didn't. It, it it really is. It just really goes to show how WWE writes history, and and how and that's why it's so much so important for a company like AEW or even Impact Wrestling to hold on to what they own and not sell it. Because mm-hmm. if W if if the if the story of professional wrestling is told by WWE, you're gonna get all this bullshit that the average person is just gonna look at and be like, oh yeah, that's that's how it goes, you know? Yeah, because it wasn't just the Triple H match, was it? He had uh, a match for the World Heavyweight Title against Seth Rollins and. Um... You know, that's most well known for, um, you know, him getting that horrible neck injury after the two turnbuckle power right. And um, it, Nate, it seemed like that was it for Sting. He went into the Hall of Fame and had the Legends contract for a few years, and it seemed like that was him done forever in wrestling. Yeah, and, and you know, that match, again, just like, if that was the last Sting match we ever saw, like, yes, it, it, it's terrible that that's the way he went out, but... Like, even in that match, like, we saw glimpses of that old Sting. Like, Sting, <laughs> at his age, going up to the top and, and, you know, hitting dives to the outside. Like, Sting wasn't in there like some of these other part-timers or some of these other veterans and legends. Like, Sting wasn't there just to catch cash a check, you know? And, and I think that's something I've always respected about Sting. Like, 
you can argue about booking and things of that nature, but Sting was never a guy there just to take up a roster spot. You know, he was there trying to do his best to help out the company, to help out the team. Uh, and and so, yeah, like that match was just like, damn. Like, because I, I feel like had Sting not gotten hurt, like they actually probably would have pulled the trigger and put mm-hmm. the title on it, at least for, you know, a month. Uh, but, right. you know, what happened happened. And I thought, you know, I thought like maybe we get Sting in a cinematic match, and that's how we finally get our Undertaker match. But that never happened, Martin. And the next thing you know, uh, it's it's snowing in Jacksonville, brother. I mean, did you mm-hmm. expect, Chris, did you expect to see him turn up in AEW after uh, after? It? I did not, man. I thought he was cool collecting the um, Legends contract and stuff. And when he turned up in AEW, I was pleasantly surprised, man. And it was the reason why is because I... I was just expecting a run-of-the-mill AEW show. I wasn't expecting anything. And I got that feeling of back in the day where you would, you know, turn it to Nitro and you see someone like a Scott Hall coming down the audience. You know who I am. You don't know why I'm here. (laughs) I like that. And that's that's one of the reasons why I watch professional wrestling. Um, I I, I loved... um, I, I wish WWE would have did something with them. They're all like, you know, Vince McMahon, and you can't even say it's, uh, um, he, he's an ageist. Um, he, he, he's, uh, he's like that even about himself. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, Sting is in some pretty good shape for 60. Yeah. The, the thing with, with Rollins buckle bombing him was scary and stuff like that. But I mean, just, just the the way that they just didn't try with Sting is is to me just as is just I don't know. It's just so detestable. And I'm glad that he showed up in AEW. I'm glad that he's getting this run he's go, doing. You you should have done a smoke and mirrors match with him and Undertaker. I mean, I it's the spectacle of it all, right? Like I don't give a damn if Sting is you know, has a walk or, or him and Undertaker have like wheelchairs or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will watch a, a walker match with Sting and Undertaker. I'll watch a wheelchair battle with him. I don't care. Um, it's a match that I want to see. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a damn how old they are. Um, and I think that a good promoter will find the monetary value in that. It's the same with um, Shaq and um, and Paul White, the giant. Um, I want to see the match. I, 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 like, I didn't know I wanted to see that match <laughs> until I saw them on that episode of Raw choke each other the way they did. You know, I was like, you know what? This is a match I need to see, you know, and that's kind of like how I am with with Sting and Undertaker. So I, I hope, you know, we get some kind of thing. Mark Calloway is all elite or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, I I, I will take it. So as far you as know, if he, if he, yeah. 
As far as his AEW stuff so far, Nate, I mean, um, do you think they're using him too much? Should be a special attraction, not coming out every week to do a promo. I mean, it's good, like you noted, you know, throughout his career, he, it's good that he's helping the younger guys in Darby Allen, and, you know, and, and we have had that match at Revolution, but do you feel like they may be using him a bit too much for a special attraction? Yeah, again, like Sting's greatest strength is also his greatest weakness in that, like, he's there to do what he can to help help people, even at the risk of diminishing his own glory. Because, yeah, like, if, if, if the first thing we got from Sting was him showing up at Winter is Coming, and then we didn't see Sting for a month after that, the next time he pops up, it's that more special. And so, like, yeah, like, I, I think they could have handled Sting in a better way. But Sting is there, again, not to be some old guy just cashing a check. Like he wants to be a part of the team. He wants to help Darby. He wants to help, you know, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and powerhouse Hobbs and, and whoever else uh, looks like, you know, Lance Archer might be next. Like he wants to help these young guys. And I can appreciate that. I do wish they would take a little bit more care with them. Uh, but that being said, like what they did with the match um, at the last pay-per-view, like I thought it came off well. Like I think, there were some minor things here and there I would have changed about it, but I I was glad to see Sting, you know, back fighting again. And and like Chris said, like he's not what he was back in '88. You know, he's not even what he was back in 2008, Martin. But he is still in good shape for his age, and you can tell, like, he's a guy that started out not caring about wrestling at all, not having that passion for the business, but through the years you've seen like he cares about this business he cares about helping the next generation and and i think you know that that's an admirable quality no definitely well um i suppose just to to wrap up you know i suppose it's wait and see what um happens to him later on in aw uh, what do you think his his legacy will be in wrestling chris um i think his legacy will be as a workhorse i think sting is a guy that his goal was to make every company that he worked for better than it was before he left. Mm. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I love about um, Sting. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I think AEW, even though he's on television every week, you get him for a segment and then he's not on TV again. So I, I, I don't see any problem with that. You know, I understand how people might, you know, think that's overdoing it, but he's one fucking segment. You know what I'm saying? He gets, he comes, he gets a segment and he bounces, man. It's like, um, maybe AEW's got like hours of TV at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's not like he's taking his spot from anybody. He's comes shows up, says hi, and leaves. I mean, like, like I love to do, man. Um, and I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how this relationship with AEW flourishes because I promise you some guys are going to get made off of Sting just being around them. Yeah, that's true. Well, so like you know, with that, um, as you've noticed throughout the show, Nate, you know, it does seem like he's elevating the younger guys. But as far as legacy goes, how do you think he'll, he'll be looked back on in history? Yeah, I think when you look back at the legacy of that man called Sting Martin, it's a couple things. Number one, in terms of his character, like he's he's on that Mount Rushmore, in my opinion, of the, the best baby faces of all time. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have him up there with a guy like a Ricky Steamboat, you know. Uh, I think that 
it's very hard to be a good guy, particularly these days. And Sting is somebody who, for the most part, has managed to be a good guy his entire career and do it well. Uh, so I think that's to be commended. I think you're right. Like in, in terms of Sting being this guy that was there to help the next generation of the business, like you got to give him credit for that because not every top guy who's been in Sting's position would be as generous. We're looking at you, Terry Balea. Uh, we're mm-hmm. looking at you, Triple H. You know, there's there's stories of guys who were in that spot that didn't reach back, that didn't help. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, that first encounter with Ric Flair and guys like Dusty Rhodes and Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner that kind of took him under their wing. And you can see Sting's influence with guys he worked directly with, like an AJ Styles or like a Darby Allen right now, and with guys that he didn't really have any contact with, you know, because I think like one of the biggest stars, whether you like this guy or not, Martin, of the last 20, 30 years in professional wrestling is John Cena. Mm. And I think yeah. John Cena owes a lot of the character he is and the character he became to Sting, you know, both having that, you know, kind of tie in with uh, Rick Bassman as, as the, the common denominator and Sting and John Cena share a lot of qualities, a lot of similarities. And so I think when it's all said and done, is Sting going to be the guy that's on everybody's, you know, work rate Hall of Fame or, or you know, the, the greatest wrestler of all time or the greatest promo of all time? Like, no. Like, I don't think Sting's going to be in that category. But I think Sting is a guy that does everything well. Like, he's he's not the guy that does one thing spectacularly, Martin, but he's a guy that's always done everything really well. He's had, he's put on good matches with pretty much anybody he's been there with. He's gotten better as a promo, better as a character. And he's one of the, one of the few guys who nobody has a bad word about. Like in, in this age, like we're on a wrestling podcast right now, Martin Bushby. And we know there's so many people over the years that we thought were good guys, Mm. but it turns out behind the scenes, behind the curtain, they're really kind of garbage human beings. You know, we we thought, we thought they were real Americans, Martin Bushby, but it turns (laughs) out they, they sleeping with their best friend's wife and and saying racial epithets at the same time. (laughs) Like, like so many of these guys that we thought were heroes, but they turn out to be, you know, fallible people. And Sting is somebody who, yeah, he went through some things early in his career, but like you would be hard pressed to find somebody to have a bad word. Like, like when you got Vince Russo and Jim Cornette saying good things about Mm. you, you're probably a good dude. And I think that's ultimately going to be Sting's legacy. Martin is that he was a team player and he was a good dude. Yeah, definitely. And I think as far as his influence goes, I mean, you mentioned John Cena there, but Cody Rhodes as well, and and people Mm, like that, you know, he's been very influential on a a lot of wrestlers. But um, before we get out of here, I've got one more line of questioning for you guys about Sting. Um, I'll put you on the spot here, obviously. I've got two guys on here whose favorite album is uh, WCW Slam Jam Volume 1. And uh, <laughs> what is your favorite Sting music of all time? We've had a we've had a number of uh, Sting entrance themes, and, and what's your favorite, mm. Chris? I actually, if you would have asked me this a month ago, it would have been that first WCW theme that he used. I actually do like um, the AEW music that he has now. That shit is so fire, man. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I added it to my um i my uh my iPhone. It's it's that is some good good music, mm. and I think it just kind of it really 
um, tells his story without giving out any words. So I love that theme. Mm, yeah, I think the, the AEW theme is definitely an upgrade from the Impact theme and certainly like an upgrade from like the, the caca, like the, the, <laughs> the WWE, like, like weird crow theme. Uh, but I think like when we're talking about the greatest thing, Sting themes, it comes down to three choices. It's either like the instrumental that he had when he first came in, it's Man Called Sting or it's The Crow. And for me, I'm going back to grown-ass man Sting, Martin Bushby. And it's the man called Sting. Because he does this, and, and he does that, Chris. Like, he's as big as a bull, but Martin, he's as quick as a cat. He's the man called Sting. <laughs> no, he's, a, he's the man called Sting. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's got it's yeah. to be that first theme. I've still got great memories of him coming mm. down to that instrumental with Gary Capetta calling, you know. Yeah, that's yep. mine. Yeah. This is Sting. Yeah. yeah. And I always liked that intro of him too, the This is Sting. I thought that that's always how he should be introduced, not Here Comes Sting, or it should always be This is Sting. What, what are they saying uh, in WWE? Like, From every man's nightmares. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, like Lillian, Lillian Garcia, who told you to say that? That's not what, do we know this man? This man is from Venice Beach, California. He, that's where he's been from. That's where he's going to be from. Well, from every right. man's nightmares. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Not even Buffett did a better introduction of Sting than, uh, mm. right. Yeah. It's definitely the best one. But anyway, I've kept you gentlemen a while. Um, before we get out of here, Nate, you've got a t-shirt on, uh, on sale this week. Yes. Uh, again, check out, Post Wrestling, uh, store.postwrestling.com. You got to be a Patreon to get in on this deal. But uh, again, like it's it's worth it, man. Like uh, the Patreon, Post Wrestling, John and, and Way and, and our extended Post family, Martin, like they do great work. And for patrons, head over to the store, check out the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show t-shirt and all of this week. So from the time you're listening to this right now until Monday, uh, and then if you're listening to this past Monday, you got to pay full price. But again, even if you got to pay full price, it's a beautiful Rocky My View picture show design. Uh, like it's it like even if I even if it wasn't my show, Martin, I would be saying this because it's a like Robert did a hell of a hell of a job with the design for the Rocky My View picture show shirt. So uh, you can check that out at Post Wrestling. Uh, while you're on that Patreon. Uh, you can check out the Kings of Sport Patreon. Five bucks gets you in the door. Patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. Myself, Marcus Vandenberg. We, we've got over 150 hours of content on there. Sports, wrestling, politics, pop culture. Uh, you know, this is a big week for superhero stuff, Martin. So I'm sure in the, in the coming weeks we'll be talking about both uh, Justice League, uh, the, the final edition, maybe, question mark, of Justice League. Uh, and we'll also be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is uh, about to drop this weekend. So you can check that out on the Patreon, uh, Kings of Sport, Rocky My Via Picture Show, Black Lightning Podcast, uh, the main event. Like, I do a bunch of these shows, Martin. But if the people want to check me out, they can find me on Twitter at in the number 8 M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. And, uh, yes, Martin, like, I, I was very excited when when you messaged me uh, to, to uh, talk about that man called Sting because he's somebody who I feel like 
a lot of our listeners know about Sting, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like he gets kind of the credit that he probably should deserve. So it was uh, fun to come on here and, and, and talk with you and Chris about Sting for, for a little while. Yeah, it's fantastic. Always appreciate you taking the time and, and, and you as well, Chris. Um, have you got any anything to plug before we get out of here? Um, KMEZ does it on Twitter at the moment. Right now, I'm like knee deep in my uh, dissertation so I can be called Dr. Ely, hopefully before the end of the year. But, we, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> I, I do have to mention before we go, um, if you guys haven't seen you kids out there, haven't seen that Sprite commercial with Sting um, <laughs> where he beats oh, the yeah. shit out of this kid, <laughs> go Google that. <laughs> do yourselves a favor. Um, greatest thing ever. Um but um, yeah, man. I'm just. Uh, I, when when are we doing our thing again? Um, oh, there you go. I was going to bring it up now. Uh, we've got post day coming up on April the third yep. uh, with a bunch of live shows. We've got for patrons. <laughs> we've got live ask away. We've got a live BWE with me and Benno talking about WCW in Europe as it's the twentieth uh, anniversary of WCW mm. going under. Mm-hmm. And uh, you two guys have got a, a live show on there with a certain Mister Andrew Thompson. Yes, yeah, we were going to do a live edition of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, which is a show you can find on the Kings of Sport Patreon. It'll be me, Andrew, Chris, and uh, maybe some special guests that that we've got uh, in the chamber. But, you know, we're not going to reveal everything, but we're just going to give you enough to whet the appetite. But, yeah, that's that's going to be a fun day. That's going to be a fun day, Martin, with all of of the Post family, you know, much like Captain Planet, uh, letting our powers combine on the airwaves and and, – it's going to be a fun day. Yeah, yeah and I and and I must say with 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 uh, Martin, Nate, everybody, John, Way, everyone, uh, Marcus, uh, uh, Andrew, everyone who who I get to um, sit in on these shows with, even when I hate WWE, and it's more more often than not these days. Um, I always love the uh, wrestling community, so um, I, I, I'm very privileged to, you know, be able to do these shows and, you know, my, know that I have a voice that's appreciated, um, and um, just, it's always uh, great doing these shows with you guys. Uh, I very, I really much, you know, much left to both of you. Now the privilege is all mine, especially talking to you two gentlemen. It's been mm. a, it's been a great time, and um, thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next yes. time. Yes, enjoy the rest of your Nate Milton week, everybody. Get some sushi, have a beer or two, <laughs> <laughs> and watch some Sting matches. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs>